Hey everyone, welcome to the Clean Simple Free Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Fox, and I'm happy to be here with you following the summer break. This is season five, and whether you've been listening since 2019 or you're tuning in for the very first time, I'm glad you're here. Here's what to expect for this season. The publishing schedule is going to have a little more of a loose structure, and in terms of content, some of my favorite past episodes have come from listener questions. So if you have any questions or would like specific advice on a decluttering problem, I'd love for you to send those questions in so I can discuss them with you on the podcast. Meanwhile, I'll continue to bring you fascinating guest interviews as guests are available. I've also resumed publishing guided meditations on my YouTube channel, so if that's something that interests you, you can check those out on the Clean Simple Free YouTube channel. I'll provide a link in the show notes. If you'd like to hear guided meditations in podcast format, let me know. I've heard from a few people that that's something that might interest them, and if there's enough interest, I can go ahead and publish those meditations on the podcast feed. Today's topic comes from a listener question. It discusses the inspiring story of someone who downscaled a ton of stuff before a cross-country move and has a big question about clutter that comes from our hobbies. We'll have all this and more in just a minute, so stick around. For today's episode, I'm discussing a listener message. This email comes from Bianca in South Africa, and I'm going to read it to you and then discuss her question at the end. It's a really inspiring story of a massive decluttering haul after a cross-country move, and I hope that this success story will inspire all of us on our clutter-free journeys. It definitely inspired me. Bianca writes, Hey Ashley, I recently stumbled upon your podcast while trying to find motivation to help me get rid of some of my stuff. I started decluttering the very moment I heard episode 71, Dust and More, Physical Health Risks of Cluttered Environments. I'm someone who has always loved the things I owned. I had a lot of stuff passed down by loved ones, and I just collected so much stuff over the years. Decluttering was not something I prioritized, and that was something I realized when I moved 1,400 kilometers across the country. I moved all of my stuff with me because there wasn't enough time to sort through everything and pack and move to start a new job, etc. Yet I moved everything into my new home, which is quite small, and I shoved everything into cupboards just to make it work. My husband and I have lived like this for the past two years until now. I discovered I had so much identity clutter, generational clutter, just-in-case clutter, hobbies clutter, tons of clothes that don't fit, and the list goes on. You would think I'm a hoarder, but my house is pretty tidy most days, and I've had my stuff organized already. It's just the sheer amount of it all that has blown me away. Okay, so I'd like to pause reading the email right now to point something out. Bianca's ability to recognize and name the types of clutter that were crowding her environment is really impressive to me. Being able to recognize the type of clutter you have and why you're holding on to things is such an essential skill to develop. It's so easy to get overwhelmed and suffer from decision fatigue when we're decluttering because there are so many different reasons why we hold on to things that it can overwhelm us emotionally and mentally. So I'm impressed by her realization that she was holding on to generational clutter because it was something that was kept in the family or identity clutter that she was keeping only because it matched who she is and her interests. So this is really, I I just had to point that out. I love that. Okay, back to the email. I have forced myself to declutter everything since I suffer from allergies that got completely out of hand about two weeks ago. This is when I started my journey with you. I realized my stuff was literally making me sick, so I started to clean house right away. 
Since then, I got rid of three large suitcases of clothes, a huge amount of crockery, wine glasses, some extra appliances, camping stuff, knives, other kitchen utensils, linens, towels, and a lot of hobby stuff. Nail polish, paint, bags of fabric, and unfinished projects. We even sold some furniture. These things were all the excess, things we don't even need or use on a daily or even yearly basis. Since I've gotten rid of it, I haven't had any allergic reactions, and I can't tell you how much happier I feel because of the mental load that has been lifted. I really want to thank you for the great work you're doing, and keep on inspiring people to live happier and healthier lives. You've certainly brought this to us. I still have a long way to go on my decluttering journey as the magnitude of stuff is gone. I find myself struggling with bits and pieces in my closets, drawers, and so on. I also struggle to really find a hobby I enjoy, because everything I did in the past involves having or making so much extra stuff. The main reason for starting to declutter is one, my health, and two, we are immigrating to Australia, so I also have no choice but to get rid of as much as possible, although it is really freeing. I guess my question is, what hobbies do minimalists have that don't require stuff or create more stuff? Kindest regards, Bianca. Oh my gosh, hearing success stories like this is amazing to me. This is incredible. I'm so happy to hear about Bianca's moment of revelation when she became aware of the impact her excess belongings had on her. It's I remember having my aha moment like that when I was like, wow, I have so much stuff. So when I'm having difficulty going through a junk drawer or sorting through a keepsake box, I like to look up stories like this online and read about them to sort of get that first burst of inspiration like remind me of the moment that i had like that so i'm really inspired to hear a story like this firsthand from one of my listeners and to hear that my podcast had even a small influence on helping her make these changes in her life so thank you again bianca for your kind words and for writing in so just to restate bianca's question so it's fresh in our minds what hobbies do minimalists have that don't require stuff or create more stuff This is a really interesting way to put this question, and I appreciate that Bianca is being mindful of the clutter that comes as a result of having certain hobbies. There's a lot to unpack here, but to answer the question directly, the first thing that comes to mind for hobbies that don't require lots of extra supplies on hand is exercise, so outdoorsy things. You can go for a walk or jog outdoors without any equipment. And I'm not even talking about like difficult workouts. For example, I love taking my dog to different parks in our neighborhood or taking a walk by the lake and stopping to take photos of trees or wildlife. It's relaxing and doesn't require anything except closed-toed shoes and my dog. So if you live in an area that you feel safe walking in, this is a great mindful and clutter-free activity. For another wellness type activity, you can practice yoga or meditation. You can go to YouTube for resources for guided meditations or yoga routines, and you don't need any equipment for that. Some people like a yoga mat, but it's not 100% necessary. And if you do want a mat, you can easily roll it up and store it in a cupboard. There's also reading. Visit your local library or have a book swap with friends where you borrow books from each other. That way you can enjoy some new-to-you books and return them when you're finished. That's totally clutter-free. 
I think it really depends on what you define as a hobby and how you like to spend your time. You don't really need to have all of the supplies and tools that are available for a certain hobby, and that's something to keep in mind because it's easy to fall for marketing tactics when we first get interested in a hobby. We want to sort of get all the equipment we may need because we're excited about it and we want all the accessories for it. For example, if you're interested in drawing, you really don't need more than a sketchbook, pens or pencils, an eraser, and a pencil sharpener. That's really everything you need in order to start sketching. But they also sell something called a lap desk. It's like a hard table that you can put in your lap that has a built-in cup holder for pencils, but the same thing can be accomplished by setting your sketch pad on a coffee table. So I think it's important to be aware of not only choosing the right hobby, but just being mindful of what you're purchasing to go along with that hobby, if that makes sense. There is a huge amount of supplies that you can go out and buy for any given creative pursuit or hobby. Companies use marketing to tell us that we need to have all of these things in order to do something. But if you look at it, whatever the hobby may be, you can probably take it up with just a very few things and some stuff you might already have on hand. You don't need to stock up on tons of supplies in order to enjoy doing an activity. It depends on what you're doing, but usually you can get away with just a limited selection of supplies. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the episode. In her email, Bianca also mentions enjoying sewing and knitting, but not wanting to give away the things that she spent hours creating. And I totally get that. So for sewing and knitting, my question would be, is there a way that you can repurpose your skill into something that will help your family or someone else out in the long run? Like, can you learn to knit or sew clothes that you'll actually wear and eliminate the need to shop for new pajamas or new socks, for example, something basic that will need to be replaced? If you love sewing, maybe you can sew clothes to give to a charity organization and help those who are less fortunate have new handmade clothes that they'll enjoy wearing. There's also a constant need for blankets at animal shelters, or at least here in the U.S. So many local animal shelters and even animal hospitals in my area are always putting requests out on social media, asking for people to donate their gently used towels and blankets so that the animals can have something warm and cozy to cuddle up on in the shelters. I feel like I see that a lot. They must go through them really quickly. So instead of just knitting a scarf or a hat and getting rid of it and feeling like you've wasted your hours, maybe you can use your creative talents to sew things that you can help others with. It may not feel like wasted time if you're helping others out, so that's just a thought if you did want to continue creating things with fabric but weren't really sure what to do with the end product. As far as cooking and baking, with baking especially, there's a huge need for a surplus of tools and supplies, so I understand where Bianca's coming from. With cooking though, I think that cooking is a low clutter hobby because what you create gets eaten anyway. So if you can deal with the amount of supplies that cooking requires, I do think that cooking can be a very minimal hobby. I've also found in my cooking that there are quite a few kitchen tools that serve multiple purposes. For example, I cook at least one meal a day, every day, but I only own two pans. I have a small frying pan that I use for things like making an egg, making a grilled cheese, and then my large pan has high sides, and the size and shape of it lends itself to multiple functions. 
so I can make curry in it because it's deep enough to hold liquids. I can make stir fry and not have to use a wok and I can use it as a regular saute pan. So I do think that we can cut down on kitchen tools if we see if we have something that serves the same or similar function as something else and we can downscale that way. Also, I think utensils can be evaluated. Like usually in utensil sets, they'll include a small, medium, and large spatula, but they're all pretty similar in their functions, right? So if we just keep one tool that serves the same function, we can cut down on the amount of cookware that regularly cooking at home requires. Another thing to remember is to get rid of duplicates. If you have multiple baking sheets, but your household is small, see if you can get the same amount of cooking done with just one baking sheets. Basically, my point is, if you love doing these hobbies, like I cook out of practicality, but I really do enjoy it. So you don't need to give up a hobby just because it might require keeping a few more things on hand. I don't think that this is Bianca's situation, but I want to bring up a point that I've continually mentioned over the years in this podcast. I've always said that you should keep things that you love. You shouldn't just get rid of things just for the sake of trying to be as minimal as possible. If you are really struggling to let go of things that you love and that truly make you happy every time you look at them, like someone trying to get rid of books that they have a fondness for just to own a smaller number of items, that's sort of the opposite of what I try and talk about in this podcast. That is still letting stuff rule your life, just in the opposite way of someone who has too much stuff. In other words, we don't need to obsess about getting the number of possessions we have as close to zero as possible. Some people thrive on living with very few items, like the people who own 100 items or less, and they just thrive on that and that is their perfect number. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that if that's what suits your lifestyle. But if you're someone who really enjoys your book collection, for instance, and you like the way they look on your shelves, and you like to go back and reread them, and buying new books really makes you happy or getting them as gifts, you should not try to limit your happiness if it's just to arbitrarily own fewer things. Living minimal or clutter-free is all about living your best life and having more time and space to shift the focus away from cleaning and tidying to be able to spend time on things you love. And if reading is something that you love and owning books genuinely makes you happy, then you should keep your bookshelves full. Obviously get rid of any books you won't read again or that no longer suit your lifestyle, but living with less is not a numbers game. It's about living your ideal, most intentional life. So that's a good thing to keep in mind too, as we're discussing and choosing our hobbies. I think someone who is choosing a minimal or less cluttered lifestyle can have any hobby they want. And the key lies in evaluating what exactly you're using on a regular basis. I have a pretty good sized box of art supplies on hand for painting and drawing and mixed media collages, but I evaluate my supplies regularly. About once a month, I do a quick decluttering sweep in my home. I just open up the cabinets and closets to look for missed clutter, and it usually doesn't take me more than a day. And I include my hobby supplies in that monthly declutter. So if I notice that I have unopened art supplies or things that I don't typically use in my art, I ask myself questions to see what my future plans for these items are. Some recent examples are... I don't like oil paints, why am I holding on to this box of oil paints? Or I haven't opened these pastels in six months, am I ever going to use them? Or 
I got this sketch pad as a gift. It's perfectly good, but it's smaller than what I like. Is it time to let it go? And like Bianca, I've also dabbled in other craft projects over the years. I remember I had this big box of fabric scraps and patches and jewelry supplies because I wanted to try my hand at making alterations to clothing, and I had built up a nice collection of things, but I realized a couple of years later, okay, I have these beautiful items, but I've never made an effort to do anything with them. So ultimately, I decided it was time to move on from the idea of those unfinished projects and just let the whole box of supplies go. Sometimes keeping the supplies for a hobby we want to do is more of a headache than realizing maybe we're not that interested in pursuing it after all. It can feel very difficult to let go of those projects that we're saving for someday and get rid of perfectly good hobby supplies, but if we're honest with ourselves about what we'll actually use, it may be more freeing just to let it go. I think the main thing we can do is simply evaluate our priorities and look at what hobby we're interested in at our current stage of life. If you're realizing that the supplies for a certain hobby are stressing you out, maybe it's time to get rid of those things and move on. Life is too short to pursue hobbies that don't suit us at this moment in our lives. So step back and evaluate what you're interested in right now. that wraps up this week's episode thank you so much for tuning in i'd also like to thank bianca again for her excellent email and for sparking this discussion if you have a question you'd like answered on the podcast send me an email at clean.simple.free at gmail.com or send me a direct message on instagram at username clean.simple.free have a peaceful and productive week and remember clean spaces make for a more simple way of life and when life is simplified your mind will feel free See you again soon.